Hello friends and welcome. This is episode four of Journey Into Fandom, a podcast where I have guests on to discuss what fandoms and communities they're a part of, what their experience has been, what the memes are, and how toxic or wholesome it is. Oftentimes my guests will talk about something I have zero experience with, so I'm learning as we go. I'm your host, Karis Lunn, and today on the show, we have Vaughn on to talk about the wonderful world of Star Wars. Vaughn talked about what her experience was as a woman in the fandom, the generational culture of Star Wars, and how the fans view and treat those involved in Star Wars. Now, without any further ado, please join me on this journey into fandom. everybody welcome to another episode of journey into fandom today on the show we have a very exciting guest we have vaughn on this episode to discuss star wars fandom with us and this is going to be absolutely wild and i'm so excited so vaughn hello how are you hello i'm great for having me of course absolutely so you host a podcast also called Impressions of America, and I highly suggest that you listeners check it out. Super interesting. I've I've listened to a, like a couple of episodes, and it's so good. I'm like so much fun. So I actually have a history and media degree. Fun fact. So it's like right up my alley. Yes. Um. So not only are you incredibly knowledgeable about Star Wars, but also American history. So I think. This episode is going to be really fascinating. I'm ready. <laughs> so ready. Absolutely. So excited. Yeah. And, but the, so the Star Wars episode that I listened to um, about an hour of on your podcast, it was so good. It was brilliant. But it's like over two hours long. So today we have the, yes, awful, it is. We have the awful task of trying to keep this episode an hour. So we might be speed running through it, <laughs> but it's going to be good. Okay. Without any further ado. This is the segment that I have called Personal Experience. Not a very snappy name at all, but it's fine. So what I do sometimes is I get the, I give the guest two minutes to give the listener some context as to Star Wars. Now, I know everybody knows what Star Wars is, pretty much. But do you think you would be up to the task of giving a two-minute summary I don't even know where you would start. Two minutes for all of Star Wars. I mean, as you said, that episode was two and a half hours, so I did not, I did not succeed in doing that on my own podcast. But yeah, I, I can try. Two you minutes can try. Basically, go and listen to that episode, and then come back and listen to the two minute summary. We'll see. We'll compare what they are. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. All right. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So Star Wars as Mm -hmm. a franchise comprises of 11 films, nine of which are episodic around one family and their relationship 
with, um, well, now another family, but specifically right. one other person being the Palpatine. Mm. Um, there are also several shows to accompany those 11 films, being Clone Wars, Rebels, too many to Mandalorian, too many to count, and then even more in the next year, um, and two years to come out. So Star Wars is this massive cultural property that started mm. in 1977 as a film, um, being the first Star Wars episode for A New Hope. And it has just grown incredibly. No one expected it to be this huge, but it's a massive cinematic universe in itself. Um, not to rival Marvel, but in its own right, it has kind of forged this path itself. Mm. It's about so many things, but largely yeah. <laughs> um, largely, it's about the, the kind of philosophy between good and evil, the light and the dark, um, how to conduct oneself with certain powers connected to nature being the force, mm. um, and the interrelationships between people in this massive cinematic universe. And it comprises of everything from farmers on their own and how they interact with the land and other aliens and other peoples to galactic senates and how to form a, an empire and whether one should form an empire and all of these kind of political and philosophical questions that just make it this incredible 50 or so year product that we still get to enjoy now. Yeah. And that you've got three seconds left, but yeah, you're done. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> lovely <laughs> yes that was beautiful that was perfect Thank like you. i don't know how you could possibly summarize star wars in two minutes i'm really sorry i did that to you but <laughs> it's a fun segment um so it was a challenge mm, yeah so tell me about your fandom journey so like when did your love of star wars begin oh god there are a few things that i could point to here but yeah one in particular is probably that um, when I was about like seven or so, my dad and I went to this like multi-house yard sale kind of thing. And he gave me $10 and told me to go get whatever I wanted. And I saw the, the like iconic gold case for the, um, it was like cardboard, but it was like the gold, gold cardboard box for the, the original trilogy on VHS. Mm. and. I asked the guy how much it was and he said it was $20. And I was like, well, I only have 10. And I was like a little seven-year-old girl. Oh. And he was like, you know what? Just take it. That's fine. Oh. So he gave, me, he gave it to me for $10 and I went and showed my dad. And I was like, so excited I got this. And my dad was like, I've never been prouder that you're my daughter. Oh. <laughs> like, that's, that's how Star Wars became a thing for me. And then so cool. like my grandfather, he sneakily bought me um, episode two, Attack of the Clones for my eighth birthday. And because my, my mom was like, I'm not buying it for you. We have enough Star Wars. We have three movies already. We don't need more kind of thing, right? And my mm -hmm. grandfather like covertly gave it to me and he's like, don't tell your mom. So I've I've seen Attack of the Clones probably a million times. Like it was my favorite film. So all of Star Wars has this very kind of sentimental value for me from a very young age. That's so cool. And like, yeah, it's like that way for me as well, because growing up, like it was always like my dad showing Star Wars to me. And so it's mm -hmm. like a, it's like a multi generational thing because it's been going yeah. so long. 
So that's really cool. And then, yeah, so flash forward to, like, when did you start becoming aware of, like, the community of Star Wars and, like, the fandom? Probably um, around college. So around when the sequels were coming out. Um, I had friends who liked Star Wars and we would talk about it and whatever, but like kind of an online presence for the the fandom. Um, I came to that in probably college and that was a bit of a negative experience with the fandom. So then I stopped engaging with it for a little while. Okay. Um, And then I came back to it a couple years ago, I'd say when I was, I was working at the Lego store. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was a great job. During my master's, I was working at the Lego store. It was fantastic. That's so fun. They just, because I was so, like, obsessed with Star Wars, they put me in the Star Wars section, and they were like, just, you do that, and, like, sell Star Wars. So I got to talk about Star Wars for, like, eight hours a day. Yes. It was the best. Amazing. best (laughs) job. And working in London, there are so many um, film studios here that work on Star Wars, like Pinewood and, and all of those. So we had people who worked on like Solo coming into the store and looking at the new Solo sets. And I was like, oh, can I help you find anything? And he was like, well, I know secrets about this. And I was like, stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you know? And he's like, I can't tell you. But we we talked about it. Like, I remember this one guy, he, he worked on Solo. We talked about it for an hour and 45 minutes of my shift. That's great. Just about what I wanted from Solo and if he would tell me anything about it. Mm, <laughs> that's so fun. I love that. So, getting off track, what do you think of Solo as a film? Oh, that's a good question. So, that's the only one that I didn't go to a midnight release for. Okay. And I saw it a few days later um, on my own. And when I left the, the cinema, I was like, that was fine. Like, I wasn't really super happy about it but I wasn't yeah. mad about it either and I just felt very neutral about it I was like this is something else I know about Star Wars but then a, uh, about a year ago I think I watched it again for the, the first time since I had seen it in, in theaters and I really enjoyed it so much more the second time yeah like, it's a fun movie it's just it is. very fun it's a fun movie and I yeah. think I don't know I d- like I like to a lot even the first time I watched it, I came out and I was like, I, I, I like, the thing is, is, I think because it was a production hell or whatever, like, all of that mm. nonsense, like, I had such low expectations, I didn't expect anything from yeah. it. And I came out and I was like, that was great! I liked it! And, yeah, so, mmm. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way that I, like, I had no real expectations for it, and it... I don't know, the early reviews from it weren't that great. And, like, the reason I didn't go to the midnight premiere was that I had work or something, and I was like, oh, it's not worth it, even though I've done that for literally all of the other ones that I've been an adult for, so the other four that have come out. Yeah. Um, And, I don't know, I just didn't really have that drive to go see it at midnight. So I think that kind of probably also tapered my experience with it, because it was... It wasn't my, like, regular excitement for seeing a Star Wars film. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great film. It's really enjoyable. It's it's a good time. It is. Like, enjoy it. Tremendously. Mm. So, 
you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned the negative experience of the fandom. I was wondering if you could unpack what that was. Yes. Um, <laughs> hmm. Getting so, spicy. Yes. One. Um, one was a, a relationship that I was in. Actually, one of my exes was like, mm, "You're a woman. You can't like this." Oh. He, where he would like quiz me on Star Wars, and I was like. We're adults. Like I don't think you have to judge my my level of enthusiasm or yeah, how much I know about it. People are allowed to enjoy things without knowing every single thing about it. But also now I do know every single thing about it. So that's on him. But that's heckin' weird. Yeah, it's what weird, a weird right? Just <laughs> let people enjoy things. I was right. young. It was I was young and it was a bad relationship. That's oh. fine. Move on from that. Sure. The wider community is like very similar to that I think there's a lot of um gatekeeping against women specifically for Star Wars which Mm -hmm. I I absolutely love that we are doing this podcast and like elevating a woman fan of Star Wars thank you for giving me that opportunity because absolutely it's, it's so important like you're allowed to like what you like blanket statement that's it full stop right like regardless of who you are and for a long time, I felt very like I'm weird for liking Star Wars, even though there's so much to like about Star Wars. That doesn't like we don't have to get into a whole gender debate here, but like, sure, I it's not gendered to think about the philosophy between good and evil. There's no, no gendering in that at all. So I don't understand why it's kind of gate kept at all. Yeah, um, but that was my early experience. Was a lot of kind of misogyny and like questioning whether I actually know things like that. Oh, you like like the Beatles? Name five songs. Like why? Why are we doing that? And it was very much the same with Star Wars. So weird. Yeah, yeah, that's so unfortunate. Like I'm fortunate enough to have not ever experienced that, and it's potentially because, um, I, I would say at one point I was like super like a. I don't want to say I was ever obsessed with Star Wars, but I really loved it, like, a few years ago. And then I feel like, because of the backlash of, you know, different things, like, over the years, like, I don't know, I feel like my enthusiasm has died a little bit. Having said that, not that this is about me, it's not about me, so I'm not going to get into it, but I'm heckin' excited for Star Wars Visions. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait. This is the most excited I've been for a Star Wars thing since, like, Rogue One, because I love anime, and I'm really excited. But yeah, so I haven't experienced that, but it sucks that that exists. Like, why? I mean, I don't get it. Because Star Wars is like so huge at this point. Like, you would think yeah. that you would th- you would think that that wouldn't even be a thing. Like, do you really think <laughs> that that Phantom Menace grossed almost a million or a billion dollars in profit? Rather, like, oh, almost a billion dollars in profit only from male fans. No. You really think that? Because that doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Like, of course women also like Star Wars. Also, all three trilogies have had an extremely strong feminist figure in them. Yes. It's not, it's not mind-blowing that women would watch Princess Leia and be like, I'm into this. This is fantastic. Mm. Come on. So, one of the things... I guess we're moving 
straight into Star Wars discourse. May as well. Hmm. Um, <laughs> one of the things that is, of course, hotly debated is Rose um, and her existence uh, in general. Yeah, her existence. Um, Good one. Good one, guys. <laughs> like, like, okay, so the thing... That, when you mentioned in the podcast, I like every single one of the Star Wars films, I was like, yes. And I wouldn't agree that I like every single one of the Star Wars films, but I can appreciate that there are things to like in all of them for yes. different reasons. And especially the sequel trilogy. Like, my thing is always I like all of those films, but as a trilogy, not at all. Um, but individually, mm. I like them. That's my That's my take. But, like, the thing that annoyed me the most about The Rise of Skywalker is a few things. But how Rose was just completely shafted. And, like, J.J. Abrams didn't even try to do anything interesting with this character. They're like, the fans don't like her, she's gone, she's out. And I was, like, really frustrated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't know what you think about that. but Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I agree that, like, they're good films individually, but they needed more kind of cohesion for the trilogy, in my opinion. Other people feel differently. That's yeah, fine. absolutely. Um, of course. But yeah, Rose, like, she, I feel so bad for Kelly Marie Tran and yeah. just everything that she experienced in being in the sequels. Like, what a dream come true to be able to be in Star Wars and just be attacked by people who are supposed to be fans of this property. Come on. Mm-hmm. He's civilized, guys. Come on. Obi-Wan wouldn't like you. But no. Like, <laughs> True. It, I, I feel for her a lot. And I know that part of that decision people have claimed, um, and I talk about this at the end of that episode, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I need to that, go back and listen and finish it. Oh, no, that's okay. But the, um, a lot of the changes made for Rise of Skywalker were also tied to the Chinese market. And how right. things could be marketed there, which is also why we see the quote-unquote gay kiss in the end of the film erased in the, the Chinese market release. And um, Interesting. Finn, Finn is, I believe, taken out of the poster for the release in China. So it's like decisions were made for a cultural market reason. And I think that that is just in a complete injustice to art largely, but then also directly to Kelly Marie Tran and yeah. her, her opportunity here to be in Star Wars. And Rose could have been a fantastic character and had such an integral part to the trilogy as a whole. And they just really kind of sidelined her. And it's very upsetting. It's really unfortunate that that was made that decision was made both because of fans and also economic reasons. Where is the art in that? Yeah. You know? And I think that's, like, one of the hardest things about Star Wars and about the fandom that I've seen. Um, Of course, this isn't about my opinion. It's about your opinion. But... (laughs) Yours counts, too. Let's hear it. Hey! It's, like, um, it's so big and it's so, like... Everybody wants something different from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like to do with the the generational thing of like, oh, back in my day, Star Wars was this. And then you've got, you know, the millennials being like, well, Star Wars was this to me because it was the mm-hmm. prequels. And now you have 
Disney being like, how can we make as much money as we possibly can? Yeah. Um, rather than it be George Lucas's vision for the story. Like, the story is just... In, in terms of the main movies, or the, the Skywalker saga, I should say, mm-hmm. you know, I think the sequels took a back... Like, the story itself took a back seat, which is really sad. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they wanted to keep to a strict strict schedule of every two years for an episode to come out. Right. Just for their profit margins. And, like, the writers on... Rise of Skywalker were like, we need more time to make a better film. And Disney were like, nah, 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 we need this out by Christmas. And it's like, what? You're sabotaging yourself for any future releases in that intellectual property. Yeah. If you're just forcing out content that people aren't going to enjoy as much. Mm. Yeah. And because I think the Rogue One is like far and away the best of the modern Star Wars films. Mm. Um, and I think the reason for that is because it's just its own self-contained thing. Yeah. And that's what I really like about The Mandalorian as well. Although I didn't, I preferred season one to season two because season two is like all these callbacks to like the Clone mm. Wars and I've never watched the Clone Wars. So if I had oh. done that, I'm sure I would appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. But everybody freaking out about all these different like Easter eggs and I'm like, I don't get it. So <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Clone Wars is fantastic though. I would highly recommend Clone Wars and Rebels. They're so good. Dave Filoni is a saint. I need to get to it. That'll be my homework. We'll check yes. out Clone Wars. So good. So, do you engage much in, like, the fandom discourse online, or do you prefer to keep out of it? (laughs) Um, I do sometimes. I have been very fortunate. That job at LEGO led me to a whole group of nerds that I absolutely adore. My Some of my best friends came from working there, and they're all, like, massive Star Wars nerds. So we have the best discourse and my one of my oldest friends we've known each other for 13 years he is my like nerd supreme absolutely love him um he and I talk about Star Wars constantly so most of my like fandom interaction is either with my like direct close friends or with um the fans of the um of the weekly planet through Facebook. Yes. They're perfect. They are. Yes. They're so good. And I think... The best place on the internet. It really is. Um, I have not engaged much in the Great Mates group as of recently, uh, just due to time things. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I'm not really on Facebook these days much at all. Um, But whenever I, like, have podcast needs that's that's the first place i go it's like please help me yeah. uh, to to come up with this idea and people are so helpful and so good and really willing to come on and talk about star wars <laughs> yes. so that's beautiful no it's great and like i think that james and Mesa have done such a good job in cultivating it to be like a mm-hmm. safe space for people of any opinion um yes. and that that's awesome because you know yeah, we're in the we're in the wild west of of uh of social media these days in terms of Twitter and here's a question. 
what's the wildest Star Wars take like you've seen recently that you've just been like, what? Mm. <laughs> I'm sure oh, there's that's many. A good <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think. Sorry. Um, I saw one yesterday on Twitter that someone said um, that there's been a lot of discourse around uh, if Star Wars should get its own what if. Um, Interesting. That's been really interesting. I like lightly engage. I mostly lurk on Star Wars on Twitter discourse because I'm, I don't know, that can get quite ugly fast. I do post my own hot takes constantly and I have like, there's a lot of Star Wars on my Twitter, but I don't necessarily engage with like just very public posts. Fair. I saw this one and it, it was suggesting that there should be a what if of if Leia went to Tatooine and Luke went to Alderaan. Oh. Which is very interesting. So I was reading through some of that. Um, And someone said that Leia would have just died because she wouldn't have been able to survive in the desert. And I was like, what does that mean? What the hell? I don't get it. Where is the justification for that? They were saying that she wouldn't have been tough enough to... um, survive in the wilderness of Tatooine, all in quotes here. And I was I was just like shocked to see that that's even a take someone would conceive of because Leia's so strong and fantastic and like That's so weird. She's she's, <laughs> she's a fighter and a warrior and a general and like pretty fantastic in every sense. Mm. What about Leia suggests she wouldn't survive a desert? Yeah, I mean, she hangs out in the Hoff planet for however long, and that's yeah, that's not like, a fun environment to be in ice, either. Yeah, oh, <laughs> that's yeah. an ice waste. Like, I mean, if you're raised somewhere, you're raised somewhere, and you get used to it. Like, I don't. How is that a, even a take? <laughs> it's like not even a take. I I think they were just saying like she's a woman and she wouldn't be able to do this. And I'm like, all right, what? Like Luke did that well. Come on. I mean, he was fine, but interesting. I, I don't know. It was just such a bad take. I was like, why are we doing this still? Why do we... <sighs> okay, so now this has got me thinking about how would that play out? Because hmm. obviously Luke's whole thing, right, is that he wants to be a pilot and then he gets more than he bargained for, right? Yeah. But that's never something that like Leia wants to do, really. That's So I'm kind of wondering how... You know, would she be taken down the Death Star in maybe a different way? Like, I I think or, she would be doing it in a different way. Yeah. Yes, I'm just trying to think about what that would be. Interesting. And meanwhile, maybe Luke would be running away from his political duties to fly around, or I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that would that's probably the more interesting because I feel like Leia would be fine. She would still be taking down the Death Star. She would find her way to like join the rebellion. Yeah probably wouldn't even need Obi-Wan to do it. Like, she'd, she'd be fine. Yeah. Um, but Luke, I think, would probably be a more interesting side of that story because he, the Luke we know, doesn't have any political ambitions. No. And if he wants to be a pilot, he probably would have been satiated with that as a as a kid. Like, they probably would have been like, cool, go be a pilot. Like, here's a plane, or a, a ship, you know? Hmm. Does it become like a Lion King thing where he runs away from his responsibility 
and disguises himself, what have you, and decides to be a pilot in the galaxy. That is an exciting mm. idea for a would, film. Would Luke, like, join the Empire? Oh. If oh, they're giving crap. him an opportunity to be a pilot. <laughs> that would be a really interesting way to, to look at it. Does Do Luke and Leia meet because Luke is now on the Death Star working for the Empire? Yo. And then she changes his mind to be part of the rebellion. Mm. Is do do we see the like Ben Solo in Luke earlier because his parents would be the Organas and they're part of the resistance? So is there like that backlash between kind of teenage rebellion and his parents being in the resistance? Do we have an earlier kind of Kylo Ren storyline with Luke? That would be so good. That would be interesting. See, that's such a better take than Leia would die in the desert. I know. Like, what? <laughs> come on. It took us like four minutes to come up with that. Come on. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I want this to be a thing. Yeah, I want to explain. Maybe we that. should write a fan fiction. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> awesome. So. What else? What do you want to talk about right now to do with Star Wars? What's like the the hot potato going on right now in the Star Wars community? Is there something? Or is Mm. it a bit of a dry spell, I suppose? What are we waiting for Mando season three and other things? Kenobi and everything. I think the, the one that is constantly recycled for the last 20 years has always been is hating Christensen a good actor. Right. I feel so passionately about this, that he is a great actor in the Star Wars universe, and that he portrays Anakin perfectly. But there's constantly that, like, rehash of this, Anakin can't flirt, and, like, he's such an awkward character, and Hayden Christensen made it worse. He's a teenager. Like, yeah, he's 19, and he grew up as an enslaved person. And then later, a monk who was told not to have emotions. Like, you don't think he's he's going to have some kind of traumatic response to that? He's not right. going to be a socially normal person after no. the experiences that he's had. And he's a teenager trying to work through these very complex emotions of falling in love with someone or what he perceives to be love. While everyone around him that he's been raised with, who took him away as a child from the only other person he ever loved, his right. mother. Yeah. And they've been telling him for 10 years that love is bad and he needs to forget his mother and he needs to forget his attachments and he he can't have any emotional kind of response to other people. Mm. And he's being told that these beautiful things he's feeling are bad. Yeah. And wrong and it just of course he's going to be socially stunted in a way it's just interesting i I love hayden christensen as anakin (laughs) i love anakin i will defend both of them my dying day i love them yeah i can't say i've ever really like thought about it in that detailed idea of like well of course he's like this (laughs) you know Considering all of the things that he's gone through in his life, and because he never really had like a father, I guess growing up, did he? Yeah, he didn't. um, yeah. Apart from like 
Qui-Gon Jinn, who was obviously taken away from him, and then Obi-Wan, but because he was more of a similar age, I guess, they had, like, a sort of kind of rivalry, I suppose, or, you know, what have you. Think, they, well, they like I don't know. Brothers. Yes. So he never really had a staple kind of person to be like, yo, this is how you handle things. Yeah. So interesting. And uh, I get frustrated by that too. Um, like, I will say that I don't love the first two films in the prequels. Like, I think that they are, there's definitely merit in them. I think they need to exist in terms of the story. And I think that George Lucas does a beautiful job of it being a cohesive narrative of how did we get here. Yeah. And it's great. Um, I don't love them, but uh, I will defend Rise of Skywalker all day. Not Rise of Skywalker. Re- Revenge of Revenge. the Sith. Yeah. Yes, that is one of my favorite, if not possibly uh-huh. my favorite Star Wars film. It's so good. Because so not good. and not only is it a meme, it's just good. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just... such a good film. It's yes. such a good film. I my my thing with the prequels, like, I do have a lot of sentimental value with them. But yes, putting that aside, just looking at the task that George Lucas had in explaining what he wrote thirty years before, twenty some years before. Like, he had three films that he had to fill in to write a cohesive, as you say, kind of world that would logically lead into the Empire as we see it, with the villain that we see and the heroes that we see. And for doing that, like, writing any prequel is not an easy thing, especially with a a property that people know so well and making it across three films. That's yes. you have to create an entire several storylines to to make that work. And I think the the prequels are just so well done in that respect that he checks every box that that makes the originals make sense. Like they make sense on their own, but as a continuing property of the prequels and also for the prequels to stand on their own, mm-hmm. I think he does an exceptional job with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like it's hard for me to remember, like to to imagine what life was like before the prequels because they've always been there. But mm-hmm. but for people who who they were you know new coming out and things like that and were already fans of the original trilogy, making Darth Vader a sympathetic character mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's hard to appreciate that. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess Return of the Jedi, like, does that in, like, you know, the last few scenes, like, you have that redemption thing going on, but you don't see everything that led up to that moment in his whole life, and then Mm -hmm. the prequels come along, and it's like, this is who Darth Vader is, and then you're like, okay, I get it, I understand the significance of that moment so much more now. Um, and not just that, but many other things that happen um, in, in in the original trilogy. So it it gives it more weight, I think. Um, and that's that's really cool, really impressive. And I think Star Wars yeah. does that a lot, kind of over and over again. It introduces new things, and it's like this is why this is significant. Yeah, I think they do an exceptional job with it of of making you care 
first of all. And I know a lot of the discourse now is about like everything's fan service and we don't need every little thing explained. And I can definitely appreciate that that argument. We don't need every little thing explained. But if if Obi-Wan says in episode four that he fought with your father in the Clone Wars mm. and then there's going to be a prequel trilogy, of course you're going to explain the Clone Wars. And George Lucas conceived of a three trilogy kind of world for Star Wars before he wrote the first one. He was intending to do nine films starting in the middle, going back to the the prequels and then going forward to sequels. Like that was always the plan for him. Yeah. So it's not like we're we have to explain everything now. That was literally the plan from day one. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to tell us about the Clone Wars in the films that well, and then also release the Clone Wars animated series and the subsequent just Clone Wars, and do it so well, like Clone Wars is phenomenal. It is mm. one of the best animated shows I have ever seen. It's just exquisite. Like, I love so much about it, not only because it's Star Wars or because it fits into and explains things within the films, but also because it is a world into itself. And Dave Filoni does an incredible job of building characters and introducing new characters and just thriving within this already existing universe and building his own interpretation of it that just Mm. melds so seamlessly with the rest. It it's just so good. So yeah, I do want Clone Wars explained. I I do want things explained if they're going to do it exquisitely, you know? Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. So like are there any specific Star Wars content creators that you follow or watch whether they're like YouTubers or whoever? Um, and do you think they do a good job of, like, representing the fandom? So the most that I really um, engage with, one would be kind of fan art on yes. Instagram. Mm. And I follow so many that I don't actually know any of them by name. And I feel really bad about that because I'm just thinking I should have written down some names yeah. <laughs> to recommend. That's okay. But That's awesome. I can tweet them out. But yes. um, fan art on Instagram for Star Wars is always incredible. Like, it's just so beautiful. I really love it. And then the other one would be um, James and Meso. Yeah. And Mr. Sunday Movies on YouTube. Their caravans of garbage into Star Wars media are some of my favorite things on YouTube. Like, they're just, they're so funny. The, um especially the the video game ones with Mm -hmm. when they're searching for Luke's lightsaber. One of the funniest videos online, like fantastic. And their (laughs) what if comic deep dives. Those are great. Like they have a lot of really wonderful media um, on Star Wars, even though they say that they don't really do Star Wars. Yeah. In Star Wars news. (laughs) Yes. Oh, such a good meme. Um, No, (laughs) Excellent. We love them so much. We really do. They've changed my life. They make me happier. Right. And I think (laughs) what I love about James and Meso is that they're able to bring these like comedic things into stars and be like chill out. Like it's not this Mm -hmm. deep. Like, yes, you can love the thing, 
and do that. Be passionate about it. But also we can laugh at the thing and that's okay too. Yeah. And I think that's a wholesome way to be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. You don't you don't have to love everything with like serious passion. You can you can laugh about it and you can say like I didn't really like that as much, but you're not like being the worst about it and telling someone else they're not allowed to like it. Like yeah. there's a balance there. Absolutely. Um being able to laugh. Mm. Like, I love Star Wars memes so much. Yes. There's a lot of very... I uh, Yeah, I don't find Hello There like that funny anymore because it's just, like, overdone all the time. But, like, when there's, like, a snappy new Star Wars meme, like a template, and I'm like, yes, I I, I like it when people are able to, to keep them fresh. It's a good time. Um, have you yeah. ever seen the video and it's every Star Wars movie has the wrong name? Yes. That is a great video. It's a great video. The first time I watched it, I was like mind blown. Like, wow. It, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I don't it's, remember the order they do it in, but it it really is. For for anyone listening, you should definitely like give that a googs because it's fantastic. I'll put that in the show notes. So, yeah. so good. That's one of my favorite Star Wars videos. And the thing that's um, Darth Vader with Kid Anakin's voice, that's another one. Yes. That's, yeah. a, that's a great video. Uh, also, so good. And yeah, they're just, there's an abundance. And you mentioned like Star Wars fan art. And I do love Star Wars fan art. And I think like Star Wars is so beautiful. Like, inherently like aesthetically such a good world i think that's one of the things that like i'm drawn to about star wars like i i've always said that i'm more of a character driven person than like a plot driven person but like really good world building the worlds of star wars are beautiful so i'm wondering do you have like a favorite planet of star wars Mm. or location maybe oh that's a um i absolutely agree with you that they're just the variety that they have of different places and like locations and everything are absolutely stunning Mm. um you can really tell it's a universe it's not just one world kind of thing they they put so much thought into the whole universe and what it would look like aesthetically and what it would sound like and how you would interact with it it's really very brilliant um I think I really love the look of Umbara. Um, we see a lot of Umbara in Clone Wars. There's there's like a four or five episode arc in, I believe, season five, um, all set on Umbara. And the storyline of it is heartbreaking. But the the just world of it is gorgeous. It's this like very vibrant jungle with like purples and like like greens and and blues and everything but like there's a lot of purple and it's just a very gorgeous setting um so i think umbara is probably the one i'm drawn to most i also love camino camino is a very cool design yes that it's always raining camino is great Mm -hmm. yeah I, I'm just looking up Umbara and I'm like, whoa, this is a 
Very beautiful looking place. It's, it's stunning. It's really gorgeous. I really enjoyed, yeah, yeah, the color palette is awesome. So, I gotta check this out. I need to watch it. You really, like, I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but, like, watch Clone Wars. (laughs) Like, it's really good. Okay. We'll get to it in my life. (laughs) So good. Um, Maybe we'll have to do a part two after Mm. I've seen it. (laughs) I don't know when that'll be. We'll get to it. We'll get there. Is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of Star Wars? We've still got a little bit of time. I want to make sure that we cover everything that you want to cover. Mm. I mean, I could talk about Star Wars forever. Yeah. Um, I think one of the other things that I really love to highlight about Star Wars is something that you said earlier, actually, that Rogue One is its own self-contained film. Yeah. And I think that that is so successful because... Star Wars now is no longer just one thing. Like, it's it's never really been one thing. But when it was conceived of, it was this space kind of Western. Um, And some people described it as a space opera. And that was its own genre to itself. Like, film really changed at that point Mm. um, to incorporate this new understanding of like the the Cold War mentality of the space race and and every all of this kind of intrigue about space and what space looks like and feels like and sounds like that colliding with this like classic American genre of westerns really opened up a lot um, in terms of what you can do with cinema and sci-fi and story plots and everything and it stayed that for a long time mm. even the prequels kind of engage with that they're much more of like like a courtroom procedural almost like it's it's like a legal procedural for a lot of it it's engaging with the politics of it but it's still kind of this idea of space otherness yeah and and how this government is kind of working right mm-hmm. but then you get to rogue one and that is a perfect war film like like that is in the league of like saving private ryan because yeah. it is about a war and it just captures war so well in this film follows tropes of the war genre it's it's a completely different thing but still under the Star Wars name and it works seamlessly with the rest of Star Wars and solo you get a classic western that's different from the space western opera of original Star Wars so that works it uh, on its own too as a different genre from the episodes and i find that absolutely fascinating that star wars as a franchise can branch into so many different genres within the same universe and still be successful i don't know any other media that could really do that that could break into so many different things like um the last jedi is like a spy film almost it's it's a heist kind of thing and they're they're in disguise going to this casino it feels almost like a james bond film in moments yeah yeah it does but it still works like Mm. star wars as a universe is just so versatile and and successful in in crossing these genre barriers yeah and i love that i find it deeply fascinating so do i um yeah that's something that star wars does really well and i think 
it's also ties in with the settings and the world building. The fact that there's so yeah. many, um, and you can just go to a new place, and like this place has got a different feel. Yeah, um, and it can be, you know, something else, and that's really exciting because, yeah, and I just think the future of Star Wars is so exciting right now. Um, yeah. I, I keep coming back to Visions, but you don't understand. I'm so excited for Visions. Like, <laughs> I just think because Japanese anime has inspired Star Wars in, like, so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see that, like, put to animation on that scale and have, like, real Japanese studios working on Star Wars thing is... <laughs> I can't even put into words how, like, hyped I am for this. Um, like... Yeah, because I watched the trailer and I was like, Studio Trigger, it's all over this. So good. You said you haven't watched Clone Wars, but have you seen the, like, two hours of the mini-series? Or have mini-series. I haven't. So so that came out in, I believe, 2003. And it's, like, it's been collated into just, like, two hours. Like, two one-hour segments, kind of, of um, the Clone Wars mini-series. Okay. And that has a very distinct... Uh, animation style because the people who worked on Samurai Jack drew that Clone Wars animated series. Oh, that's cool. It's gorgeous. It's so good. And I would highly recommend that if you're excited for Vision. Uh, Amazing. Because it's it's like not full anime, of course not, but it's a distinct animation style that is just wonderful. That sounds great. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. It's also much more manageable than watching the seven series of Clone Wars. Fair. Yes. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. I'll get to that for sure. Um, (laughs) That's that's okay. That's not too much of a commitment. Like, I hear that... I don't know what you think about this. I've heard that Clone Wars has, like, got a lot of, like, filler episodes, and so there's, like, you know, Mm. there's, like, the sort of essential episode list things that are online that you can do. I don't... Is that true? Or would you say it's better to watch it from beginning to end? So I think that there's one episode arc that I think is three episodes that I have skipped in my rewatches because I'm like, it's not it's not that great. And it's very kind of weird and trippy. Um, It's about like droids having an existential crisis. Oh, not like battle droids. They're like droids for the Republic. It's. A very strange arc. Um, so I've skipped those three in my rewatches, but everything else I think is worth watching. Um, okay. I don't. I wouldn't consider any of the rest of it as filler episodes, but that's just my opinion on it. That I really, really enjoy the rest of it. Interesting, because I think there will always be people that um, that argue on what is the essential episodes yeah. to watch. And so on. I mean, I think it's worth watching all of it for yourself and deciding what you like. You know? Absolutely. If if you want to, if you want to do that. Um, If you are looking specifically for just a breakdown of what is quote-unquote essential, then, like, maybe follow, like, cross-reference some of those lists and make sure that you're getting all the good stuff. But if you have the time and you want to, I would definitely recommend watching all of it. is to decide what's for you because other people don't know what you like. That's right. That is true. Yeah, and I think that that's an important way to be because Mm -hmm. 
I think that a lot of people decide they don't like something before they've even looked at it. Yeah. And especially with like just the ubiquitousness of social media and how public discourse is just everywhere, it it can almost get to you before the content does and then you're tainted for when you do go to the content and you're like, oh, I know so many people didn't like this. Kind of how I was going to see Solo that I was like, oh, this really didn't get many good reviews. People I trust didn't really like it. So like, I already had this opinion going into it when really I should have just seen it at midnight and decided for myself. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. However you come to media is right for you, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other discussion. I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've gone down that rabbit hole of like watching all of these like YouTube reviewers and being like, I need to know what I need to watch based on these people's opinions. And then I'm like, I was like, wait a second. Like, why am I listening to these people to tell me what I should go watch? Like, maybe I should just go watch it (laughs) and make up my own mind. Um, My best friend who I mentioned earlier, um, whom I've known for, for like 13 years, Dom, he is the only person that I trust to tell me what I will and won't like because he knows me and my taste so well. That if he gives me a recommendation for something, I'm like, right, that's going to the top of the list. But like other people who are like, oh, you should watch this. I'm like, do you think that I should watch it because you like it? Or do you think I should watch it because I will like it? Yes. And I try and really like taper my recommendations when I do give recommendations because I'm like, I liked it, but I don't know what your your TV viewing is like. So mm. I'm going to tell you you're you're going to love this unless I really know you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I say, like, you don't have to watch Clone Wars. I would recommend Clone Wars to anybody, but I don't know. I would definitely also recognize that it's not for everybody. Sure. Yeah, I need to call my recommendations, but that's another thing. Well, uh, (laughs) that's a story for another day. Is there anything else you would like to chat about just today? Um, I think... I would just plug again that Hayden Christensen is wonderful. Yes. And Anakin deserves love. Everybody yes. deserves love. Of course. Clearly Anakin. And he's not flirting when he says that he doesn't like sand. He's admitting a trauma response to Padme. And that is a very brave thing for him to do to be able to recognize within himself that he has traumatic associations with sand and to be able to actually articulate to th- that to somebody that he loves is a very powerful moment. And I love that it's in the films. It's not him flirting. He's flirting in the scene after when they're in front of the fire and he's quoting poetry to her. And that is top tier flirting. But the sand is not flirting. Good it's take. response. Yep. Thank you. Uh, thank you for this. <laughs> 10 out of 10 take right there. Mental health is important. It's important yes. to talk about your feelings. Yes. And it's important to recognize when other people are doing so, like Anakin Skywalker. Yes. Good stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Vaughn. I've learned so much. Um, thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Of course. And uh, we'll have to have you back to talk about other things another time. Yes, I would um, love to. So please feel free to plug everything that you would like to. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I 
co-host a podcast called Impressions of America, which is on Twitter at USA Impressions. And um, I am on Twitter at G Von Joy. I don't think I have anything else to plug at the moment, but those are great. And you can get yeah. Impressions of America wherever you get podcasts. Excellent. Yeah, highly suggest you look it up. It's good. Thank you so much. This episode was so good. I loved getting to nerd out with Vaughn, and I highly recommend the episode she did on Impressions of America, where she talked about Star Wars. It is wonderful and insightful. My name is Karis. You can follow Journey Into Fandom on Twitter at J underscore Into Fandom. I am at Karison Ford on Twitter. Please also join the official Discord for all my podcasts, Kingdom Minds, Retrospective, and Journey Into Fandom. Thank you for listening. Bye.